You're listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon, and I'm super delighted to welcome back on the program Cruzan McCalligan. Cruzy, it's great to speak to you. Kung hei fat choy. Kung hei fat choy. Hello. So happy uh, year of the rat. Yes, happy year of the rat. Um, I was just giving out some rat facts uh, just before the two thirty news, um, and I thought you might like this one. Um, rats giggle. Uh, when you tickle their tummies. I, I don't know who you know, did this research, but it, it's kind of... They do. I had a pet rat for <laughs> three years, and I can verify that they do, in fact, giggle. They're a delightful animal. <laughs> they are, and they're very clean. And, and also, they apparently, are. they grind their teeth when they're stressed. Yep, and also when they're happy, they kind of do a little chatter as well. Marvellous yeah. animals. I don't know why they have such a bad reputation. I know. I, I think it was the bubonic from. plague. kind I... of does that to somebody, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That there's that, uh, but yes, I'm super happy to to be speaking to you. Um, of course, I've been uh, listening to you while I was on my maternity leave, so it's nice to to be able to to speak to you. And, and the reason why you're on the phone today, as opposed to being on the studio and on Facebook Live, is uh, because RTHK has taken extra precautions uh, so as to ensure the safety of our freelance workers, so that they don't have to, uh, you know, come in and and risk their lives. No. Yeah, which I'm I'm very grateful for. It's a time for precautions. I can definitely wholeheartedly agree with that. Absolutely. Um, and I apologize that my column is not a heavier topic, but we all need a bit of escapism. <laughs> These tumultuous times. Absolutely. So. Let me esca- let us escape away. So, what have you got for us uh, this week? Uh, we're going to talk about puppets. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Puppets. Okay. So why are we talking about puppets? Well, it's quite a good question. So I, um, as you all know, as another mother with young children, that you were constantly trying to find ways to entertain your child in the phases where they're just bored and whinging, which they tend to do Uh, every so often. Story of our lives. Exactly. So um, something I started doing with my daughter recently is every night after she has a bath, I lie her down to get her changed and I shine a light against the wall. And I do shadow puppets for her with my hands, right? Oh, yes. And you do like a dog or a butterfly. I'm pretty limited. I'm not very creative with this. Oh, yeah, the snake, uh, just whatever you yeah, can do. Yeah, it. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I'm not very creative with it, but she absolutely loves it to the point that now she's asking for it every single night. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I just wanted to go to bed, but I'm stuck there making these funny shapes on the wall. And I've kind of even gone to start Googling what you can do to try and make it more interesting for myself. Like origami I, I, for the hands. Exactly. <laughs> How you can twist but, and fold your fingers. Absolutely. And then, but I, you know, but I understand that and I appreciate that. And I was thinking about it in terms of just puppetry. And, you know, I also have also made her some very crude hand puppets. You know, when you make a snake, you just put the sock on your hand. Yes, and yes. stick on some googly eyes yep. and it's a snake you know and i did that and and she was captivated and i remember being captivated by puppets too when i was younger but lately i've also been captivated by them because i was watching one of those new jim henson programs um oh, yeah. they, he did like uh, another you know he jim henson you would know mm. from doing all the the muppets and all the characters on sesame street and the labyrinth and the dark you crystal researched about him as well yeah, and so it's, it's, I realized that actually there's this kind of resurgence and appreciation for the art of puppetry, right? So I thought I'd look into it a little bit and look at a little bit of the history, um, because at the same time, you know, if someone told me now that they were a puppeteer, I mean, I think they were amazing, but I don't know how seriously they'd be taken by the rest of the population. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, but puppetry and, and the art of puppetry is 
ancient. It's so old. And I mean, if, if we think about like, okay, we don't have a record of cavemen making hand puppets on the wall of the cave by the glow of the fire, but we can probably assume they did for one another or for children or whatever it was. It's just that, that interaction, that giving um, life to something that may seem inanimate, right? Mm. Um, but if we look back in, in terms of um, like ancient puppetry, um, shadow puppets, specifically, you know, the cutout ones you get in um, a lot of Asian cultures, specifically in China yes. as well. You know, those are so old. They're so ancient. I mean, they were around during the Tang and the Song Dynasty. So that's from like 618 um all the way up to six, um, 1279. So that's like, these are, these are an ancient form of entertainment and art that people have done for a really, really long time. And even though we don't really know, if we look at like, I mean, more, I guess, more modern puppet shows with quotation marks in, in, in Britain, we have evidence of puppetry um, dating back for about uh, 600 years. So glove or hand puppets, um, so, you know, like we said, just having your hat, like exactly what you do with, you know, just putting a sock on your hand, really. Um, you know, these were very portable and that made them very popular with traveling minstrels and other medieval entertainers. Um, the word puppet was very common in 14th century England um, and appears in Chaucer's literature as well. So we know that this is something that was a huge part of people's lives and culture with puppet shows and the art of puppetry. Um, and of course, um, we, we also see that there was the earliest recorded puppet plays. So this wasn't just people playing with puppets, this was people putting on the little performances. Um, took place in London at about 1600 at a fair in Smithfield. Um, and But these puppeteers um, made their living by performing all over the country, often in very wealthy households as well. So there was kind of like a street side element of it, of kind of having these pop-up puppet shows because it's so easy to do them. But also wealthy people, you know, who won't, how dare they go onto the street to watch a puppet show? You'd have to come to my house to perform it, you know. Um, so that's, that's a really, really uh, fascinating concept. I mean, Shakespeare himself uh, also referred to puppets in some of his writing. So we know that these things were happening for a long time and people use them to tell quite quite um, interesting stories. So things like Bible stories, such as Jonah and the Whale, we find in 17th century puppet shows. Um, and of course, they have a lot of a lot of medieval clergy used animated figures, figures and puppets to help preach Christianity and um, with devil puppets and things like that, you know, because, you know, you've got to, you've got to engage the masses with your message, right? <laughs> so, you know, how are we going to do it? Puppets. And make it a little bit more, yeah, with puppets. Um, and of course, it's, it's, it's a fascinating concept to what have kind, all these sorts of things. What kind of puppets are you are, are you referring to, Cruzy? Are you talking about the hand puppets or, or so the ones with the sticks? these are just hand sticks? puppets. Oh, okay. Yeah, so these are just hand puppets. Um, I'm going to get to the ones with strings in a minute. So those are marionettes. Um, oh, but yeah. they didn't, this is, this is just puppet this is just glove and hand puppet history and it's still this um it's still got this much happening but interestingly we do see things like um we see that uh puppeteers were performing very popular versions of stage plays because of course at this time you know people like you know you think of shakespeare's time you had the globe theater people would go to the theater and watch theater but then there were things that were happening there was political upheaval in england during the the mid 17th century and this was you know people were you know everything was against religion everything was against politics so you can't have any fun so this kind of created a resurgence um a resurgence of puppet plays because you could kind of do them secretly and you could still entertain each other with these puppet plays even if you couldn't go and watch a play in the theater wow like an so, underground puppet world 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a, it was an interesting subculture. Um, but interestingly, so what happened is when um, Charles II returned to England following the uh, the end of the Second English Civil War, uh, and he brought with him entertainers from Europe, including puppeteers, and they brought a string puppet character based on an Italian commedia dell'arte figure called Pulcinella. And in England, no one could say the character's name, so they called him Punchinello, and eventually that got shortened to Punch, and he became Punch and Judy. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he was um, first recorded, Mr. Punch was first recorded in England in 1662, um, which is a really long time ago. That's 300 years that that character has been part of the puppet world. Um, and so, of course, he did that. So then it became a very a sort of fashionable thing, this kind of Punch and Judy style, um, you know, quite tongue in cheek type of um, puppetry. Um, the problem was once we, we, we skip way ahead to um, to this idea of the earliest early 20th century when people were starting to watch things like, um, you know, cinema and going to music halls and stuff, obviously like w- gathering your friends to watch a man with his hand in a sock became a little bit less less appealing. But of course, you know, when I say this, there was other things they could do. They had whole characters, they had carved carved faces. You know, if you think about wearing a glove, your index finger would have been the head of the character probably, and then your thumb and your middle finger would have acted as their arms. So that's yes. how you do your, you know, that's how you'd make them do their thing. Um, but of course, uh, the outbreak of the First World War meant that a huge number of traveling puppeteers, including marionettes, so this was now getting into people who were doing the string puppets, marionettes. Oh, yes, marionettes. Um, with the First World War breaking out, all those puppet troops kind of got disbanded because the puppet operators had to go and fight in the war. So there was no one to really operate the puppets anymore. Puppet operator. Yes. <laughs> Which is, you know, something I guess, you know, I'm, I'm card, sure yes. it happened in the, it happened in trenches. They probably did some sort of puppetry to try and stay upbeat. And exactly. And magicians. Positive. Yes, absolutely. Mm, exactly. So um, by in the 1920s and 30s, the art of um, glove puppetry. So, of course, what happens is we have our glove puppets and our hand puppets. And then we get the marionette puppets coming over from Italy. This whole new wave of European puppetry with these, you know, these string characters which are capable of more. They require a bit more skill to operate, all that sort of thing. They're more impressive to watch. And then, of course, all their operators go off to war and we can't see them anymore. But then in the 1920s and 30s, the art of glove puppetry, which was kind of came around in medieval times originally, was revived again. So they kind of, um, they should have showed this kind of dramatic possibilities of glove puppetry. And he, he, he was, um, there was a guy called Walter Wilkinson who started showing the potential of what you could do with a glove puppet. You know, it's not just your hand and the glove. It could be so much more. And he got very artistic with his, with his puppets and he created these very ambitious plays about morality and everything, you know, like real tragedies done with somebody with their hand in a, colorful puppet you know it's it's quite a funny idea um but he did do this in- incredible um he did this incredible thing with puppets and it led to the foundation of um the british puppet and model theater guild so this was it kind of became a bit formalized so it became less sort of i guess you know um mickey mouse and became a little bit more of like you know it's an institution worthy of respect um and it generated expert professional puppeteers, 
you know it was it was a school of people that were learning um to to the art of puppetry um, and I always think about this if you did your first year would they be like first you must start with your hand against a wall and we'll shine a torch and you show us what you can do <laughs> and then you graduate on to the marionettes and then you can graduate on to the whole body puppet costumes you know the ones where you walk like a dinosaur and all those sorts of things and finger puppets is the hardest actually I think just doing yes. entire uh, gestures and showing your mood with just one finger yeah, which you become an expert at as a parent. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I agree, I, I, and I think so. It's it's quite amazing. So these um these puppeteers they they were they were part of a lot of uh, like working men's clubs, even night clubs in the 1940s, which is a funny thing to think about, as if you were to go out in Lang Kwai Fong tonight for a drink and then just see someone doing a puppet show next to you. You kind of wouldn't think that was edgy and cool today, um, or you might. Um, but yeah, and of course, then we have, um, if we skip ahead now to kind of more more um, modern history in puppets, and one of the modern masters of puppetry has got to be, obviously, Jim Henson, behind, you know, the Muppets, behind Sesame Street, behind the Labyrinth, behind the Dark Crystal, all these incredible puppet shows that we kind of grew up with and people still grow up with now. And they're quite remarkable, really. Like, do you remember watching them? Did you watch them as a kid? Did you watch things like Sesame Street? Yes, I loved Sesame Street. And I think a lot of children... Kermit the Frog. And, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and they become... They become um, they become characters on in their own right. I remember it wasn't it a couple of maybe a couple of years ago now that Ali Howe from Radio Three from Teen Time she interviewed Elmo, didn't she? <laughs> yes, she did. You know, she interviewed Elmo on radio, and it wasn't the puppeteer; it was Elmo. You know, he exactly. was his own pu- he was his own character, and the um, person so operating I- the puppet is almost invisible because you're Absolutely. just so focused on yeah on on the character, the puppet. Absolutely. And so, so anyway, so back, okay, if I go back to Jim Henson quickly. So this is really interesting because he didn't originally set out to be like this incredible puppeteer. Um, when he finished uh, high school, he actually went on to study graphic design, um, which is very two-dimensional considering he went on to such a three-dimensional job. Um, but he took a puppetry course in his freshman year. Um, and in the class, he met a senior called Jane and the pair hit it off in this little puppet group. Um, and although it took a few years for their relationship to blossom into romance, um, in 1959 they got married, and they ha- ended up having five children. And being and they were the creators behind all this incredible television entertainment that has shaped generations through puppetry, right? And um, of course, it, it's it's amazing because um, you know together they you know the, the Jim Henson Company, um, they were both very creative. Uh, Jane Henson, who we don't hear about as much, she was a creative force in her own right. Um, but when Jim Henson got an opportunity to create his own puppet show, um, Jane, just, she went through everything. She helped with puppeteering and creating new characters and everything else. But when they started the family, they had five children, um, she transitioned to the sort of like uh, key behind the scenes role. And then she was part of the, per- she was the person who helped assemble all the teams that created Sesame Street and all these other other amazing productions that they did together um, because you know you have to be a certain kind of person to do the kind of puppetry work required of those things it's incredibly physically demanding you know you have to be really focused um, so I think it's it's quite a re- I think it's quite a remarkable concept um, the concept of of puppetry um, but the one thing I do have I, I still can't 
it makes me feel uneasy is ventriloquism <laughs> as puppetry. I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> it's so odd and you know you know who's a really sort of um a, a wannabe ventriloquist renita i don't know if our listeners ah. remember renita mahotra uh, hora who used to work on uh, radio three she loved doing that so much so that she she used to teach us in radio three sometimes to do it and i'll tell you who likes to uh, copy renita angie man she tries to become <laughs> She tries to become a ventriloquist. It's so funny. Oh, it's amazing. It's funny to it's watch. It's amazing. But I think it's one of those things, puppetry, like even, I, I mean, I, I re- last year I saw a ventriloquist act, a com- comedy ventriloquism act, and you are in awe. And I think as an adult um, now, something like ventriloquism really shows you that awe in puppetry in a way that like traditional puppets, we, we tend to grow out of as adults because we can't become sort of disillusioned with the way that the world is you know you think okay this is just so frivolous and silly being a pup- puppetry it must just you know you're meant to grow up and grow out of this sort of stuff but you don't really you know it's still kind of there's still something kind of strangely magical about a puppet and um and uplifting and entertaining and i don't know there's there's something you have a feeling when you watch someone with a puppet you know and while um i looked when i was looking for quotes for this column a lot of stuff, all the quotes about puppets and puppetry was all kind of very negative. Like, you're just a puppet of the empire. You're just a puppet. You're a slave and a puppet. And I was like, what? But there's something, I think, for the for the puppet master, it's, there is something quite empowering and amazing about being able to be somebody else. It's, it's you know, giving a complete new life to something in a new way. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like Papa Geppetto. And yes. Pinocchio, he, he's exactly. a real, he's a real boy. He's a real boy, <laughs> <laughs> which just really makes my heart ache. Um, but I did find, I did find one quote. I did find one quote to finish the um, today on, which was from a, a Russian puppeteer who was very famous in in, um, in Russia. His name was Sergei Obratsov, and um, he was really <laughs> passionate about puppets. Which again, I mean completely stereotyping here you think about the the time when he was he was a puppeteer from the um, turn of the century so from the 1900s and he you know for, for him to have been this um you know this incredible puppeteer in that time when you can imagine that there would have been a lot of you know the, the world was a difficult place the world still is a difficult place but you know and you're living in like russia and you're all these things are happening and you're a puppeteer that's the career you've chosen and then, um, but you know, he was really passionate about it. And he said, um, he, he talked about puppeteering and he said, it is the process by which the inanimate becomes animate. And it seems to the audience to be a real miracle. And I just Aww. loved that idea, you know, and I just, I think there's a part of me that now is excited about watching puppets again, because there is that little flicker of magic when you see a puppet and you don't think about the puppeteer and you think about this little thing that's expressive and coming to life and having a little life of its own and telling you a story that is quite captivating, really. Absolutely. Beautifully put, Cruzy. Well, I look forward to having you back uh, in the studio, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. But if not, uh, so stay put and we, we shall enjoy you over the phone. Thank you very much. Uh, for, <laughs> no for problem. Enjoy you over the phone. That's stay weird. Safe. Yes. Take care. Stay safe. Bye. Thank you very much, Cruzy.